Barevtes, and welcome to the premiere of Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast, produced by and for the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. These podcasts are for all of us, whether your lodge is on the east or west coast or anywhere in between. What I want to do through this series is to introduce you to the people who are making a difference in the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, both here at home and in Armenia. We'll highlight projects and other efforts that our organization as a whole and our individual lodges are involved in. And we'll meet Knights and Daughters from across the country and we'll hear their stories in their own voices. I think you'll be inspired by what you hear. For the Knights and Daughters of Vartan is an organization that is inspired for more than a hundred years. As this is the first in our podcast series, I'd like to take just a moment to introduce myself to you. I'm David Medzorian, and I'll be hosting and producing this podcast series. Since November of 2017, I have been an Asbed of Ararat Lodge Number 1 in Boston. Now, even though my time in the Knights of Vartan has been short, my family's service to the organization spans three generations, beginning with my grandfather, Marshall Medzorian, nearly a century ago. My father is a Nachkin Sparabed with Ararat Lodge Number 1, and my mother is a Nachkin Dirui with Arpiotyag Number 9, also here in Boston. I myself am a former television and radio news anchor and reporter, and today I work in video and sound production. I'm also a documentary filmmaker, as well as a professional photographer and voiceover artist. One other point I'd like to make at the outset, and that is that this podcast series is meant to supplement the already amazing resources that we, as members, have at our disposal. Of course, I'm talking about the Knights and Daughters of Vartan website at kofv.org, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page, which is always worth a look for the very latest Knights and Daughters news, plus photographs submitted both by lodge members and our communications liaison, and of course, our wonderful print and digital publication, The Avaride, all produced and maintained by our fine communications liaison in Armenia, Kohar Palyan, and all three great communications tools for our members, as I hope this will be. At the end of this program, I'll let you know how to contact me directly, because I'd love to know what you think about our podcasts, and if you have an idea for a future podcast topic, I'd love to hear that as well. Now, since the heart of our organization, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, is our members, I thought I would start our Talking Vartan podcast series by introducing you to some people that I know rather well. They are both leaders and members of my lodge, Ararat Lodge Number 1, as well as Arpiotyag Number 9, both here in Boston, which is where the series is being produced. Sparabed Argeshti Chaparian joined the Knights of Vartan in 2010. Born in Armenia, he spent most of his life here in the States, and he now resides with his family in Framingham, Massachusetts, just west of Boston. He became our Sparabed in 2018. Nachkin Sparabed Jack Medzorian, who was also my dad, joined the Knights of Vartan in 1986, and he served as Sparabed in 1996 and again in 1998. We'll also talk to our lodge secretary, Nerses Zurabian, who will tell us about the Diaspora for Frontline Family Fund, which provides support for children in Armenia who were left fatherless following the April War of 2016 an effort which Aradat Lodge and most recently Arpiotyag has been supporting. 
Finally, I'll introduce you to Dirui Dr. Kanarik Arkun of Arpiotiag Number no. 9. And we'll talk about some initiatives that the daughters here in Greater Boston have undertaken. And also the influx of new members to the Arpiotiag and what that means as far as the role of the daughters of Vartan in the Armenian community here in Boston. We'll conclude our first program with a look ahead at some upcoming events for both the Knights and the Daughters, not just here in New England, but around the country, including Martyrs' Day commemorations and this summer's Grand Convocation in Las Vegas. But first, my conversation with Ararat Lodge Spadabed Argish Chichaparian and Nachkin Spadabed Jack Medzorian. I asked our Spadabed what it was about the Knights of Vartan and the Ararat Lodge in particular that prompted him to accept the role of leadership in 2018. Well, in 2010, uh, when I joined the organization, you know, I'd always heard about the Knights of Vartan and all the great works that, that they do for the community uh, in Armenia. And to me, that kind of, you know, hit home because being born in Armenia, I'm a great advocate for our culture, our heritage. And for me, that was something that uh, intrigued me and spiked my interest in, in becoming a member. I was uh, brought into the organization by one of our fellow Ospeds, uh, Nelson Stepanian. Fortunately, uh, he was a great mentor uh, to me in the organization, put me to work right away and got me very involved in the organization and in a lot of the projects that were at that time being undertaken. The Heritage Park uh, Monument was the first uh, project that I got involved with. Uh, again, like I said, I, I hit the, you know, I, I hit the road running. And, and, and let's tell people what that was all about. The Heritage Park is in Boston, Massachusetts. Correct. And it is on the Rose Kennedy Greenway, which basically separates downtown Boston from the Italian North End. How were we involved at the, at the time? So at the time, the project had been going on for many years and kind of it wasn't coming to f- uh, fruition quickly. So the Knights got involved through Peter Katujan and some other members uh, of the organization and kind of gave it that little extra push that it needed to kind of, you know, end up in, at the finish line. You've been to Armenia as someone who, who obviously was born there, speaks the language fluently and uh, has that cultural bond with the country. How important is it for you that as many members as possible get a chance to see Armenia? It really is a life-changing thing. It certainly was for me. Absolutely. I think every Armenian needs to make that visit or that pilgrimage to our homeland to get a a kind of taste of our culture, our heritage, uh, that still lives on in Armenia. You know, I know it can be tough living here in the United States. Um, you know, a lot of people become settled in in the, the American culture uh, and kind of over time forget our Armenian heritage. I myself was, for me, it was very important for my kids to experience that culture and to get a taste of that heritage. And, you know, hopefully someday they'll pass that on to their own kids. And in putting them, my kids, into the St. Stephen's Armenian Elementary School, that was an opportunity for them to experience that. And I had the, the privilege of visiting Armenia with my older daughter when she graduated uh, St. Stephen's Elementary School, uh, their graduating class trip. And I think to this day, uh, my daughter and I, 
share a, a special bond with each other, having experienced that trip together. One of the things, of course, that our lodge is very heavily involved in are various uh, humanitarian projects in Armenia. What goes into, and, and I'd like to hear also afterwards from uh, from my dad, Nakhkin Spadabed, Jack Medzorian, but what goes into making the decision about what projects we want to be involved in? The decisions that go into this is very complex decisions and a lot of research goes into actually choosing where we spend our efforts. Uh, Jack has been a, a great member of the organization that has, for the most part, taken on that responsibility. Jack is very involved with our projects in Armenia, and we, we trust his decisions, his judgment on where our efforts should go. Dad, let me ask you, when you, because you've been visiting Armenia probably longer than anybody in our lodge, because you've been going almost, well, you've been going every year for almost 50 years. How do you figure out what really needs the attention and where the efforts of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan can best be put to use? We look, uh, originally when we started our work, we helping schools. We did this through the uh, the schools in uh, close to Yerevan, which was easier to access. And then we found out that over the years, uh, the situation improved in the schools that are in Yerevan or nearby, and that the focus really should be on the border areas where uh, the, the government uh, doesn't have that long enough arm to reach uh, these uh, remote areas and especially those that are border areas with uh, hostile Azerbaijan as neighbor. So uh, this is how we get into the medical aid uh, issue, uh, how to solve that, and uh, put together a team of, uh, over about a dozen years, a team of Ararat Lodge members and even non-Ararat Lodge members, some of my uh, friends from other lodges who helped to put together containers 10 containers and all to go to hospitals and uh, clinics in the uh, vulnerable areas of Armenia and even Karabakh. Is it difficult, though, even today, to get that material to where it's needed most? Well, it's uh, not just the problem of getting it to the place where it's needed most. It's, first of all, doing an assessment, a needs assessment, deciding what's needed. And then uh, that includes the capability of the hospital and its staff to be able to run the equipment because it's just to send equipment if you don't have qualified people doesn't work. They it's sitting in a corner yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, we had to weigh all those factors and I would do that and uh, then come back with that needs assessment. And uh, then uh, we, would, we would work with uh, local organizations, that nonprofit organizations that collect surplus material from uh, manufacturers and used equipment and recertify the equipment, repair it where it's necessary, and we would ship those out. So that would get it to Armenia. But then there was the always the question of follow-up to be sure that it got to the right place and that it was used properly. And so we would do all of those. And, uh, and I must say it's been quite successful. But that's also one of the reasons that you go as often as you do. Because well, you, when you're there, you are actually going to these places I'm, and I'm seeing there, firsthand. And it's, part of, it's part of an agenda 
that I create for myself when yeah. I uh, go there with, you know, my wife, Eva, because we also help schools as well. So we have both those kind of programs. Now, in the schools area, uh, we uh, don't want to forget that we have uh, this great benefactor who is no longer with us. He was a cherished member of the Adelaide Lodge. He was a faithful, uh, one of the hardest working recruiters I've ever seen in the Adelaide Lodge. He recruited many, many members, and uh, his name was Bob Simonian. Now, Bob uh, fell ill. He had an incurable uh, problem. Finally, he passed away in June 2016. Uh, during uh, his illness, uh, uh, we would visit him, and he asked me to find a couple of schools or find schools so that he could sponsor under our World Bank uh, Matching Fund uh, program. And I did, and uh, we did find two of those. I found two that were you know, on the border. One was a uh, kindergarten, now complete, Arsvabert, uh, which is in the uh, just on the border of uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan in the northeast corner of Armenia. And that was followed by uh, a second one in Chambarak, which is a little bit south of that, uh, near uh, Lake uh, Sevan, and also on the Azeri border, and that was a renovation. The Asfapet kindergarten was a uh, complete uh, reconstruction from the beginning. So Bob knew about these two before he died, and he was very, very happy. And uh, his brother, Leon, who was an executor of his estate, carried on with donations from a foundation that he had created with his deceased brother's uh, assets. And uh, through that foundation, we were able to fund uh, two more kindergartens, one in, again, border village, Navur, and the other in a border village in uh, Gyumri called Aravik. So those are four kindergartens. And, uh, and I'm pleased to say that the, this kind of motivated one of our other knights, who is uh, Harry Parsagan, who, when he found out that uh, Bob's foundation had donated to these four, he also became the sponsor of a kindergarten. And this time it was a renovation of a kindergarten in a uh, village on the southern shores of Lake Sevan called Lichk. That's the name of the village. So there were five kindergartens as a result of that uh, program. Uh, that was followed by further donations from uh, Bob's foundation by his brother, authorized by his brother Leon, that uh, I was able to access for portable ultrasound equipment to go to border village hospitals. And we shipped uh, three of those. And, uh, and I'm happy to say that the, all three are working fantastically to diagnose medical problems on patients and, uh, in fact, saving lives. So these are very important add-ons to the uh, Bob Simonian uh, Foundation. Talk a little bit about what we're doing here in the Boston area, our lodge members, um, uh, and some of the different uh, projects that we've been involved in, but also, you know, the way that we are raising money uh, to uh, help in a number of different areas. So let me first say that uh, we are very blessed in our lodge to have our Osped brother, Jack Madzurian, and the wonderful work that he does for Armenia. 
you know, like Jack, we have others that are very dedicated to the organization, to our culture, and to our heritage. Just want to take the opportunity to thank Jack Medzorian for the fantastic work that he does in Armenia. Thank you, Jack. Thank uh, you. Going back to your question, so locally for the past almost eight years, the Lodge came up with a annual fundraiser that raised money to be able to contribute to uh, communities, schools uh, that are in the area. Uh, one of our very first uh, fundraisers, we raised money for the St. Stephen's Armenian um, Nursery School, their new building. We were able to raise a significant amount of money to donate to that project to help the school teach the kids the Armenian culture, the Armenian language. And then from then on, every year, uh, we again raised funds to help out Sunday schools, Saturday schools in the various uh, aspects of the community, all the uh, the church Saturday schools and Sunday schools, and also uh, to other schools such as the Sisters Academy, which is unfortunately no longer there. We also uh, donated a second uh, significant amount to, again, the St. Stephen's Armenian School to help them with their functioning budget. So it's it takes a lot of effort and a lot of dedicated aspects to take on this task every year. Talk For, about some of the different things that, that the aspects are doing. You know, I mean, some are involved in the initial planning. Some are involved, they're working at the event. And people are utilizing the skills that they may use in their jobs to... Absolutely. To, We're lucky to have uh, members of our lodge who have vast experiences in different areas of, of life. Uh, you know, we have accountants, we have um, construction people, we have corporate people. You know, there's, there's so, much, so much experience within our lodge. And as a Sparabed, we try to kind of utilize all those different skills and bring them together and, and have those uh, members get involved with the uh, administrative portion of, of our fundraising, the logistical portion, the PR portion of it. So there's a lot of members that come together for these organizations. It, it's, it's tough to do these fundraisers. You have to have people that are dedicated and dedicated to the cause and also our organization. And we have that, you know, we, we, we have a good group of uh, men that come together and daughters uh, that come together to make them successful. There are more than one organization out there, more than one Armenian organization to, that people could become involved with. What is it that you would say to them if they're to ask you, well, why should I join the Knights of Vartan as opposed to, well, anything else that's out there? You know, what is it that I can do and what can the organization do to make me make this kind of commitment? You know, everybody has their their opinion on the different organizations. You know, you can only talk to them about what our organization does. And it's up to the individual to kind of make that decision as to how they want to be involved and what they're interested in. So, you know, when we recruit people, you know, we're not very aggressive as to you know, yes, you have to come join our organization. No, we we kind of put our, what we do and what our strategies are out there as information to 
whoever we are talking to and let them make the decision on how or where they they want to contribute their time. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. And I think it's safe to say that if you want to serve and are willing to do whatever is within your capability to serve, there's a place for you in the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. Yep, that's very correct. Whoever decides to join our organization, uh, well, number one, they go through our initiation process. You know, they're interviewed. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, we're getting members that are um, going to be uh, contributing to our organization, not just become a member, you know, because it's it's something to do. No, we want to make sure that, and, you know, my speech to the, the five members that we, we just initiated, you know, was... Look, you're joining this organization to do good work. If you're not ready for that, then this is not the organization for you. You know, we we have an agenda. We have fundraisers and uh, community service that we need to do. If you're not willing to do that, then this isn't the organization for you. It is a very diverse organization, and and Dad, you can touch on this as well, because we have people from representing all the different Armenian churches in the greater Boston area. All ages, people from their 20s to their 90s. So it's it's a very diverse group of people, isn't it? It is, and I think the uh, the thing that the glue that brings all these people together is the uh, the heritage part of it. And uh, so, uh, so I, I would say that the knights and daughters of Vartan are for those people who respect and honor their heritage which has been passed down to them as a legacy from uh, their parents and grandparents, and, and that, uh, that along with that comes certain obligations. So uh, uh, undertaking these obligations is part of what the Knights of Artan does, the preservation and perpetuation of uh, our heritage, because it's an ancient heritage. It's uh, not just because it's old that it's good, but it's a rich and ancient heritage. And uh, it's that richness that uh, we want to uh, be sure that everybody that joins respects. And uh, through a unique organization, uh, a brotherhood or a sisterhood, we're able to connect with our counterparts throughout the United States. And uh, this is, I think, one of the great things about the Knights of Art. And I enjoy all the friends that I have met throughout the Knights of Artan, which some of them I see once a year. I don't see a lot of them anymore because many of them have passed on, but some great people have come and gone through this organization and left their mark uh, and, and, and uh, with a lot of uh, respect and uh, not just in the Adel at Lodge, which has a bountiful number of uh, knocking of Akspara beds, Dr. Zovigyan, for instance, who brought me into this world and uh, my wife into this world, he was a Nachkin Avak Sparabed. Well, he was on Avak Sparabed for many, many terms. They just kept on calling him back. And a great guy. So there were people like that, uh, many of them, who, uh, you know, be, took leadership roles in the uh, Knights of Artan locally. 
And, uh, and of course, many of them, as I said, nationally that I've come to meet. And this is one of the great things about the organization that anybody who joins will benefit from. There are other lodges that are doing noteworthy work in the Knights of Hartan. Uh, I'll mention one in particular and an individual, Jake Bournasian, who is knocking spot a bed of uh, the Ani Lodge in uh, Washington. And he has taken on uh, helping a vocational school in uh, a, uh, the town of Perth, which serves about 16 uh, villages, where uh, students can go who don't have the means, either the physical means or monetary, to go to college in Yerevan. So when they graduate, they have to find jobs, and there's 80% unemployed, so they leave the country. So these people will have an opportunity and do have an opportunity through this vocational school to learn a skill that uh, they can uh, start a career path in uh, some vocation or craft. So there's uh, projects that he has developed that can be picked up by other lodges to contribute to. They can take on a particular aspect of his program, and it's a wonderful program. So there's an example. There are other lodges that do things like that that can be picked up nationally and uh, if, if they're looking for projects to put their arms around. But again, as you said, Spot, a bit at the beginning, there, there's a lot that goes into it. There's research that needs to be done and what are the resources of the lodge itself. There's plenty to do out there for all of us, isn't there? There is. I think each lodge has to kind of evaluate themselves and set goals and objectives for its for its members. You know, if you bring in members into a lodge, and again, you know, we're more than welcome members into the lodge, but you have to present them with something to get involved with, something to look forward to. It's not just being a member. It's being a active and contributing member. And if you don't have those goals and objectives, it's tough to keep members active. My special thanks to Spotted Bed Chaparian and Nakin Spotted Jack Medzorian. In our motherland, as many of you know, the conflict between Armenia and bordering Azerbaijan has been going on for decades. And for the soldiers defending Armenia, the death toll has been very high particularly after what has become known as the Four-Day April War in 2016. One project which both the Knights and Daughters of Vartan here in Boston have thrown their support behind is the Diaspora for Frontline Family Fund, the DFFF, which helps the children left fatherless by the conflict. Our own Lodge Secretary, Nerse Zirabian, is the founder and chair of the fund's committee which also includes other members of Ararat Lodge Number 1. I talked to him about the Diaspora for Frontline Family Fund and why it was and is sorely needed. In April of 2016, there was a, almost a full-scale war uh, at the Nagorno-Karabakh uh, border with Azerbaijan, which became known as the April War uh, since then. Uh, since Azerbaijan started a full-scale attack using all kinds of technology, including the latest and greatest technology that they had, and helicopters and drones, 
our guns held the line and were able to stop the enemy. However, unfortunately, that also came at a very high cost. We had a lot of casualties, um, around 100 people, um, including draftees, including contract army officers, and including some volunteers. So uh, just like many other lodges and many other organizations and Armenians all over the world, we started thinking, what can we do to help? Initially, we saw that uh, there were some bad trends that were happening. People were trying to send money, send help, but it was done in such a disorganized fashion that they would send help to some of the families. They would send, they would call their relatives and friends in Armenia and say, well, find a family that's been affected and give them money, <laughs> basically. Uh, unfortunately, what that ended up creating is disparity. Some families got you know, quite a few donations, which they completely deserved, but some other families, especially the ones in very remote regions, remote villages, didn't get any. Because it was done on you know, very emotional, you know, it was coming from a very emotional place, it was done initially in a little bit of a disorganized manner. Um, so we started to think, what can we do to do this in an organized way, in a fair way, to make sure that all the families that are affected get our help, and also, what would be a good cause? There were a lot of soldiers that were wounded and they needed to get a lot of help. There were families that were displaced as a result of, of this four-day war. Um, there were children that were orphaned. Uh, so there was really a lot of different things we could do to help and we weren't sure what's the right thing to do. One of the initiatives that was out there uh, was to buy drones and send to the army, but we quickly realized that as civilians, we're really not qualified to really understand what, what is needed and you know, uh, send that to the army, nor do we have those kind of resources. So we scratched that idea. Another idea was to help the wounded soldiers because um, you know, in the US, there are so many rules and regulations to help the handicapped. It's not quite the same in Armenia, so handicapped really need a lot of help. So, um, but luckily, the government came forward in Armenia and gave stipends to uh, a lot of those soldiers. So we thought to go in a different direction. And we, thinking about the issue, we realized that the people that are most vulnerable are the children of those fallen soldiers. Because in those families, typically, father is uh, main and oftentimes the only breadwinner in a family. So with losing the breadwinner in the family, these children are now in a very vulnerable uh, position. So we thought that the best thing we can do is to help those children. And this is how our diaspora for a frontline family fund came to be. And this is where we focused all of our efforts. We had a lot of challenges initially. Um, first one of them is not having a complete list of all the children that were affected by it. Garment didn't have a complete list. And you know that would be the first source you go to. In addition, some organizations that were trying to do the same thing we were doing, they did not have a complete list. What added to the confusion is that oftentimes organizations that are, you know, based in US and were trying to help in Armenia would go and interview those families. They would take mother's last name and attach it to children's first name. Except what they didn't realize is in Armenia, typically married women keep their maiden last names and they do not take the uh, last name of the husband. So now there was a complete discrepancy between the fallen soldiers and their last names and their children who were listed there with a different last name. So we try to consolidate all the databases we had. One that we got from organizations trying to work on the ground, another one that we got from the government. Um, the most useful one was from some of the activists that I knew personally in Armenia that have been doing a lot of projects in the region, including creating libraries or football teams for uh, kids in those remote borderline villages. Um, and working with them directly, we were able to get a lot better information and 
cross-referencing between three databases, we were able to get a complete list of every child that was affected by this war in terms of losing the breadwinner, losing father uh, during this four-day war. And uh, it was... How many children are we talking about? We had 60 kids and also two of the mothers were pregnant and the babies were on the way. So potentially it was going to be 62. Unfortunately, one of them... um, the birth wasn't successful. So um, first year we had 60 children, next year we had 61 that we included in our program. We had some other challenges. How do we do the distribution? How do we make sure that money gets to the people that actually need it? How do we make sure that we do not keep any administrative and management costs that all charitable organizations have, and rightfully so. I mean, they have staff, they need to you know, get to those villages, they need to get cars. So there's always administrative and and management costs. And we wanted to avoid all of that. We wanted to make sure that 100% of the donations that are given to us actually get to the families. Another challenge we had is we wanted to make sure that we can have a 501c3 charitable organizations in the U.S. to help our donors to, um, uh, to encourage them to make those donations. So thinking about all of this, we finally came up with a mechanism that addressed all of those concerns. Um, And we partnered up with the organization called CASP, Children um, of Armenia Sponsorship Program. They are part of FAR, Fund for Armenian Relief. And working together with them, we were able to set up a program that distributes the resources, uh, the financial resources, all the money that we sent from here directly to the families, directly to their bank accounts, covers all of the 60 and the next year 61 children. Um, and also using the Knights of Artan Charitable Fund, we were able to provide 501c3 receipts, tax deductible receipts to our donors to, to help them deduct us from their taxes. So. After all of those challenges, we're able to set up this mechanism, and um, um, and the Knights of Vartan are at large, just from the first time that we were able to describe what we're trying to do and what are the mechanisms are, and we were able to articulate a plan that made sense. Everyone was just so helpful. The entire Arad Lodge was incredibly supportive. Uh, we threw a couple of fundraisers, and so many people volunteered and helped. Not only donated money, but also donated their time. And that, that was highly appreciated. This started when uh, Sparaped was Armen Bogosian, currently Nachkin Sparaped. After him, we had a Sparaped, Peter Yapujan, and now current Sparaped, Argishti Chaparian. All three of them have been incredibly supportive uh, of this program. Um, we also reached out some of, some of the other New England lodges, and uh, some of them actually participated in the program as well, and they continue to send donations to the program, which... This is a continuing program. I mean, it is still, they are still reaping the benefits of this in Armenia today and will continue to? So initially we said that this is going to be a five-year commitment because we weren't sure how much donations we're going to be able to collect and how, you know, how we'll be able to run this program for a long period of time. So this is year three of year uh, of five years, and we're still going strong. Um, our hope is, and that's where we're putting our efforts, is that after five years, we'll still be able to continue running this program. Um, because some of the kids are really young, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-years-old. So five years from now, they're still going to be vulnerable. They're still going to need our help. So our goal is to be able to run this beyond the five-year commitment, but our commitment has been five years initially, and we're now in year three. 
I've got some good news to report about the ongoing efforts of the Diaspora for Frontline Family Fund. They have to date raised nearly $70,000, all going to help the children and families of soldiers who died in the four-day war. Its organizers are now looking for additional financial support from private donors and organizations. My special thanks to Ararat Lodge Secretary Nerses Zarabian. Dr. Kanarik Arkun is the new Dirui of RP Otyag No. 9 here in Boston, having risen to that leadership role only last year. And she's also pretty new to the organization, having joined the Daughters only a few short years ago. This, however, has not stopped her from hitting the ground running. And in less than one year, and with new members joining their ranks, the Daughters of Vartan here in Boston are more active than ever. We recruited a lot of new members, and I'm so pleased that right now, looking at all ladies who come to the meetings, we have young professionals eager to help, eager to do anything to help to preserve our heritage. And that's the only one mission we have. So people ask, so what do we do? Why are we doing all this? Just one mission, just one word to preserve our heritage. And under that will be so many things that you can assume. Anything Armenian you like to add word to, that will be your heritage. So preserving all that, that's our mission. So being a woman, of course, we're in a family. We all have, many of us are mothers, uh, have other responsibilities, just being uh, professionals um, as well. And also we like to cook. So gathering around that and talking about it, it's been um, um, also a common thing. So gathering and trying to do the dinners or gathering at people's houses, going to eat, that's like a one thing that we like to do. But that's not the only thing that actually makes us um, the daughters. That's, what, that's not what we want to do. And uh, you can see what we were doing the past years. We brought attention to our local schools. So um, Knight's been doing a lot of work outside of America, getting all attention, a lot of attention to Armenia, which is great and we're helping. But we also think that we should also bring attention here. That's why we thought that helping our um, schools will be important. So last two years we were donating to Erebuni Armenian School to support them. We were donating to St. Stephen's Armenian School. We did last year, this year, and we'll continue doing so. This year we're going to also donate to Erebuni Dance School, which is also, if you think, those are little kids, that most of them actually probably from Armenia who came here, their first generation uh, immigrants family, and some of them are maybe second or third, but most of them are first generation um, immigrants family that do need this support, and they're doing a great job, and what's the great way to show who we are and how we keep our heritage to support those local um, schools. So the other thing we also like to, uh, we always like to support, and next we with knights. So whatever knights do, we're always next to them because many of our husbands are there. Like my husband is a knight, um, Anahit Martyros's husband is a knight, Eva Medzorian's, um, as you know. 
We joined uh, Nahid Kibarian and her husband is a knight and actually two of her sons are knights too. So it's a family business and we like to um, support next our church. So this is church that actually brought us all together and keeping uh, as, as Armenians as heritage and we cannot underestimate that. And now seeing that there's a new church is going to be built in High Point, we must support. And knights already supporting it, so they're going to have a cross for the church church and we thought we're going to donate and we did already donate thousand dollars to towards that cause so um the check gonna go check one to the knights and they're going to include in um in the sum of for the cross so a thousand dollars there from daughters of to to the new church uh, another um, knights supported um, soldiers fallen soldiers families uh, for two families and this year we also decided to donate $500 that we did already to knights for that cause that they actually initiated so there's a great uh, things that they've been initiating and doing and if we can help in any way we're trying to and we always will so um uh, we're also donating and we're supporting a women's support center. We did donation $500 last year, and so we're going to um, planning to do this year as well. So that would be in Armenia. We're donating to Garmit Haj children's program last year, and we're going to donate this year as well. Uh, we like to show that we are active in this community, so uh, supporting the local communities and local projects is really important. Important. So Project SAFE is one of them that we were supporting last year and will be supporting this year too. I'm, I'm pleased that we'll be doing a donation. Uh, we are continuing to support Armenian as well in Armenia. Uh, so for Project Cosmic Ray Division, we did it last year donation and so we'll do this year as well. Um, so we uh, another new donation that we will be doing for Armenian Genocide Commemoration Committee, $150. Uh, so I think uh, we will like to show who we are by supporting the community. So what are we trying to do involving more women, bringing more people in? We're trying to make a little community. So it's a little family and we want to be part of community. The entire idea is how we're going to support the heritage, how we're going to make it all possible, preserve the heritage. It's, it's being a part of community. So we're supposed to be so close. We're supposed to be so good that we can um, support the community and be part of it. Uh, so another good example would be um, April 5th um, City of Smile project. Uh, when Cynthia Kasajan um, told us or told like a people that this, she's going to be start doing that, we had many of our members already on, on board with the project. And um, the day when they start asking, so which organization you're presenting? A lot of them were daughters. And some people were surprised. They never heard of daughters. And it was like, wow, my God, those like all successful, um, well-known ladies and your old daughters. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was some, somewhat surprised. It was surprised for me too, because I haven't heard of daughters uh, myself since I moved to uh, Boston. You just mentioned the City of Smile. Let's let's talk a little bit about that for a moment. The City of Smile Foundation is based initially in Armenia, and it is meant to raise money to uh, help the families of children in Armenia who are suffering from cancer, and also to train 
the uh, physicians there to help in the treatment of those who are suffering from cancer. And uh, talk about the RPOTIAG's uh, connection to this and why you personally feel, because you are in the medical uh, profession, why you feel that this is such an important thing for both the daughters and the knights to get behind. So yes, being a physician, but also being a mom, this project is to help kids with cancer. Uh, we all have healthy kids and we know uh, we, sometimes we even don't appreciate what does it mean. Um, but having a sick kid and not being able to help that kid, I think that's the worst thing that any mother uh, could um, ever come across to, having not be able to help their own child in that way. So I think what Cindy is trying to do, it's part of the project is to build a new hospital which will accommodate patients with cancer, especially kids with the cancer, which will also include part of this also like that doctors can come to America, get their um, new advancement and training and go back to do the better job. Um, so that's all in a project. So City of Smile Foundation, it is in Armenia, but what they're trying to do, this is going to be separate City of Smile of USA. It's a different uh, foundation. And uh, this banquet coming up, the banquet was meant to be a fundraiser uh, to be able to collect some money to help city of smile in armenia basically whatever we gather from this project this um, banquet on april 5th all donations uh, and proceeds will gonna go to help to build a new hospital and build the kids with cancer you have quite an impressive uh, list of guests who will be attending that event and uh, honored guests at that. Yes, we do. Anna Hakopian, wife of Nicole Pashinyan, will be coming to Boston just for that event. Uh, and also, um, we're pleased to announce that Michael Adam will be also there and he'll be presenting gift to Anna Hakopian. And Adam, um, Michael Adam, as you know, he's an award-winning uh, fine jewelry designer and home designer. Um, so everyone, I think every Armenian family has some uh, pieces of Michael Adam in their house. They're really beautiful. Indeed they are. In fact, I'm looking because we're sitting in your home right now and uh, those look like two very beautiful pairs. Am I right about that? It is. So it's, a, it's a actually salt and, uh, salt and pepper shaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Do you think that there are any misconceptions that outsiders, whether they be knights or non-members entirely, have about the role of the Daughters of Vartan in 2019? I think there is probably misconception that what knights or daughters do, in a sense, that somewhat was closed organization and it was not everyone can uh, get in organization. It was just for special people and the meetings are secret. But I must say there is no secret. The only purpose of the organization is preserve the heritage and you can assume anything or in composing it, whatever, as much or as little as you like. Um, and um, actually someone honestly came to me and said that they tried to get in to be a daughter and they were not allowed and they could not get and they are daughter now and they're very happy. Um, so I'm not sure where's that misconception come from, but we are open organization. Anything that we do, the, our financial reports are open and um, our, our meetings, we like to keep it just to the members, but I think as so as most organizations and someone like to be a member, they can apply and we'll look at applications 
application and I'm pretty sure everyone get accepted. And uh, we are looking for more people. We're trying um, to um, get more younger people involved, get more fresh blood. Uh, and we'll be pleased to see um, who join us. Um, all our members have become friends immediately and most of them do know each other but they've been not part of the organization. So they're all looking forward to coming to the meetings, coming to the events and doing the joint uh, uh, events with us. I must say the what I was hoping to do more to have more events for the members. While we like to be part of community and volunteer as much as we can uh, to help the community, um, the other thing that we should do do fun things for communities. Something that Sparabet uh, Argish um, did. We did a picnic in the beginning of the year. That was for all family, for all kids. So that was a great um, initiative. I think I hope that will continue. That brings us all together even more. That was a lot of fun. I think that's a great way to bring a community together, to bring our families together and be closer. You mentioned very briefly as as we uh, conclude here, the fact that yes, a lot of the members do know each other, but I think it's a very different thing when you are all working together for a common cause. And I think this applies to both, both organizations, the Knights and the Daughters. That in itself has got to make you feel really good as the Didui and as a member. Yes, as a Didui and as a member, as you said, it is very pleasing to see those women gathered together and trying to help. It, it does bring us together closer than knowing that you belong to that organization. And uh, it's what's beautiful about the organization that it doesn't mean to which doesn't matter which church you go. It doesn't matter if you're from Iran, Lebanon, or from Armenia. So you're all sisters and we're all the same. And we all, when we see each other, kiss each other, love each other. So it's a very warm feeling. It's been a very um, pleasing and rewarding experience being among those ladies and having all their devotion and love, seeing all that. It's been actually nice uh, to see all that. My special thanks to Dirui Dr. Kanadi Garkun of Arpiotiag No. 9. If you would like more information on the City of Smile Foundation and the upcoming fundraiser in Waltham, Massachusetts on April the 5th, you can go to cityofsmile.org or go to City of Smile, an evening with Anna Hagopian on Facebook. Finally, some words about upcoming events of importance to all of our members. In April, of course, Armenians around the world will commemorate Martyrs' Day and they'll remember the one and a half million Armenians who perished in the genocide more than a century ago. Armenian churches everywhere will hold special services to mark the occasion and in several states and commonwealths, official Martyrs' Day ceremonies will be held at the state level. In Massachusetts, for example, the ceremony will be held in the House Chamber at the State House in Boston on the morning of Friday, April 12th followed by a ceremony at the Armenian Heritage Park in Boston on the evening of April 24th. Check your local lodge's website or social media page for information regarding genocide commemorations in your area, or you can contact state government where you live and see where and when such commemorations will be held. We hope you will attend these events with your fellow lodge members and your family. 
The Knights and Daughters of Vartan is also sponsoring the Armenian Genocide Annual Commemoration in Times Square in New York City. That event will be held on Sunday, April 28th, beginning at 2 p.m. A number of lodges in the northeastern U.S. will be providing bus service to the event. Check with your spot, I bet, and Didui for the latest information on transportation plans for your lodge. It will be a day of remembrance with eloquent and moving words, beautiful music, and fellowship as generations of Armenians and non-Armenians gather together to remember the martyrs who perished in the first genocide of the 20th century. Our Avak Sparabed, Dr. Gary Zamanikian, and Avak Dirui, Diana Tukmanian, along with our local Sparabeds and Diruis across the Northeast, hope that you'll join us at 43rd Street and Broadway on April 28th. And I hope to see you there as well. Then, of course, there is our Grand Convocation, which this year will be held in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's hard to believe that it's been already seven months since our last Grand Convocation, which you'll recall was in Dearborn, Michigan, and organized and run so flawlessly by Gloria Kerkorian and her amazing Convocation Planning Committee. This year's Grand Convocation will be held from July 11th through the 13th, Although many knights and daughters will most likely arrive one or even two days early for the event, which brings together members from all across the United States. Yeprad Talij number nine and the Alid Otyag number eight from Fresno, California, will serve as the hosts for this year's convocation. And the setting will be the beautiful Harris Hotel and Casino, which is located, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, right on the Strip which basically means it's in a fantastic location and it is very close to all of the city's top attractions. The room rates are published and they are amazingly affordable. You can see them on the Knights and Daughters of Vartan website at kofv.org. Our communications liaison, Kohar Pollyan, will have more information as soon as it becomes available, including when registration will begin. So keep an eye on the Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page and website as well as your email for that information. So start making plans, and we hope you'll join us this July for the Grand Convocation of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan in Las Vegas. Well, that brings our very first Talking Vartan podcast to an end. My special thanks once again to our guests, Ararat Lodge Sparabed Argeshti Chaparian, Nachkin Sparabed Jack Medzorian, Secretary Nirse Zurabian, and Dirui Dr. Knarik Arkun of RP Otyag No. 9. I would love to hear from you and find out what you think of our podcast series and also to hear any ideas that you may have for future podcasts that you think would be of interest to all of our knights and daughters. Now, you can reach me directly at talkingvartanpodcast at gmail.com. Let me give you that email address one more time, talkingvartanpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what's happening in your lodge and, of course, Stay in touch with the Knights and Daughters of Vartan through our superb media platforms, our Facebook page, our website at kofv.org, and of course, the Avaride, all maintained, as I've said before, by our terrific communications liaison, Kohar Palian. Thanks for listening, and please tell your fellow Aspeds and critics about our Talking Vartan podcast. A special thanks also to Mal Barsamian for our theme music, Lorke Lorke, from his album One Take, Armenian Dance Songs. Talking Vartan is a presentation of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, copyright 2019, produced at Deval Production Studios in Arnington, Massachusetts. I'm Aspet David Medzorian. Sedesu tune. <laughs>